Okay, before we get going, I should just let you know that you're going to hear the odd F word here and there. It's only ever used as a means of emphasis and it's part of how I speak. This series is brought to you with the support of the LSE. In this episode, by the letter E for employment, we're going to look at some of the ways in which being at work can be made to work for our happiness. We spend a lot of time at work, up to about a quarter of it over the course of our lifetime and about a third of it during our working lives. Being out of work hits life satisfaction very hard and doesn't improve over several years. It would appear that an individual's confidence and sense of job security are permanently scarred by unemployment, especially when there's multiple bouts. There are some mixed findings on the effects of unemployment on day-to-day experiences. People that become unemployed sometimes become more satisfied with their free time, hobbies and family time. Sadly, there aren't very many studies looking at purpose, but this is surely where the benefits of work mostly show up. And that's what we're going to look a bit more closely in this episode at. Someone might say, evaluatively, that they're happy with their job overall, but then complain about it all the time in their experiences. I went for dinner with a friend who spent the whole evening complaining about her job, her boss, her colleagues and her commute. Everything about her day-to-day experiences was fucking miserable. Then, at the end of dinner, she said, you know, I really love where I work. And she wasn't being completely stupid. She worked for an organisation where she'd always wanted to work, parents were proud and friends were jealous. How could she not be happy when she thought about the story of how happy she would be when she was working? But her experiences day to day, moment to moment, were telling her something quite different. People who check their emails out of work report higher job satisfaction. Maybe they feel important, but they also report higher levels of stress. This highlights that the measure matters. And for me, shows just how much more attention we need to be giving to experiences of stress over evaluations of life or job satisfaction. Staff surveys are nearly always evaluations. I worked with a bank once and the staff surveys suggested that a recent merger was still a big deal. But then when I asked people how the mergers showed up in their day-to-day tasks, they all said hardly at all. I've long argued that we should focus on the sum of our experiences, what makes us feel good rather than what we think makes us feel good. In any event, Anecdotes and evidence like this highlight a widespread inner conflict between the social narrative of success, which values status and recognition, and subjective experiences of happiness in a job, which will only be affected by occupational status when our attention is drawn to it. A job that makes us miserable is not a good job, but we can convince ourselves it is if it has high status. You might have a job that makes people feel jealous, but what are your day-to-day experiences? Are you stressed or overworked? Do you enjoy your commute or your colleagues? Do you end each day feeling worse and unfulfilled? When it comes to workplace well-being, evidence suggests that about 45% of workers don't feel supported in the workplace. In contrast, about three quarters of employers say that the well-being of their workers is very important or extremely important to them. And at the same time, 72% of construction companies admit to having no well-being policy. And yet many in the construction sector are three times more likely to die from suicide than in any other sector. Some of the evidence suggests that mining, energy and water supply are the worst industries to work in for mental health. Those with higher career well-being are more than twice as likely to be thriving in all aspects of their life. And that's probably no surprise. A fulfilling job can have a positive impact on various aspects of well-being. My distinction between experiences of pleasure and purpose is especially significant when it comes to work. Most of us don't go to work for fun and might not want to even if we could. If we enjoy our jobs at all, it's most likely that it's because they're fulfilling. It's perhaps not surprising then that interventions designed to increase pleasure at work can backfire. Employees will often see through management's attempts to keep the workers sweet 
with a day out playing paintball or something. Workers would much rather be given ways to find their jobs more purposeful on a daily basis. So anything that encourages purpose will be good for workplace well-being and for health and for productivity and for all the other things that employees and employers care about. There have been several experiments to show just how much purpose matters. In a series of experiments using Lego, participants were randomly assigned to either a high effort or a low effort role. Those who put in more effort to build their Lego models also developed a stronger attachment and valued their creations more. These findings shed light on the role of effort and ownership in shaping an individual's attachment and perception of the value of their work and what they do. Also, when the Lego models were broken down in front of people so that they could make new ones, they were demoralised quite quickly and left the experiment much sooner than they expected to. A higher salary might compensate for a pointless job for a while, but not for very long. There's also been several studies that have shown the following when it comes to employment and productivity. First of all, seeing the fruits of our labour makes us much more productive. Second, the less appreciated we feel about our work, the more money we need to do it. Third, the harder a project is, the prouder we feel about it. Fourth, knowing that our work helps others increases our motivation. Fifth, the promise of helping others makes us more likely to follow the rules. Six, positive reinforcement about our abilities may improve our performance. And seven, images that trigger positive emotions may also help us focus. So there's several ways in which we can find purpose in the workplace. Feeling like what we are doing is making a difference or contributing to something. Purpose can be found in the simple moments at work, in the small stuff. Sincerely asking about a team member's day, for example. Purpose is inherently about authenticity and your happiness can be impacted by working in environments without purpose or with leaders that aren't authentic. Feedback is essential for happiness and it's also important for learning and improving performance. Studies have shown the importance of high quality feedback, demonstrating its strong impact on student and employee achievement. In the workplace, feedback plays a critical role in employee development, job satisfaction and performance. All of these studies highlight the significance of providing timely and relevant feedback to enhance learning, motivation and continuous improvement. Do you think you get enough feedback at work? Do you think you give enough feedback at work? When you give feedback, it's essential not to come off as being critical. Focus on the specific behaviours, offer suggestions for improvement and create a safe environment for open communication. Use empathetic language to show understanding and avoid criticism. Remember, the goal is to facilitate growth and improvement. One way you can design this is by creating a feedback checklist that you use before giving any feedback. Research on strength-based motivation by Gallup has shown that when people focus on and utilise their strengths, it has a positive impact on various aspects of their lives. Studies have found that by recognising and leveraging strengths, individuals experience greater motivation, engagement and performance. Gallup promotes strengths-based strategies in the workplace. If you want to do well in your job, and have others do well around you, it's important that everyone in your organisation knows their strengths. For anyone interested, my number one strength is ideation, having ideas, which has probably served me well as an academic. My other main strengths relate to winning others over, or what Gallup call woo. Hopefully, some of my ideas will win you over. We're working with companies to understand why so many people love their work, but hate their workplace. Please get in touch if you want to collaborate on this. Given the significant proportion of our time that we spend at work, it's crucial for our job to contribute positively to our happiness, or at least not to exacerbate our misery. It's common for us to become enamoured with stories and ideals surrounding our desired jobs, and we may continue to endure unfulfilling 
and highly stressful jobs solely for the sake of social status. When deciding on a job, it's helpful to contemplate the day-to-day experiences that the role will likely entail. Having a sense of purpose in your work is absolutely vital. It motivates us to keep going. If we feel like we're contributing towards something or making a difference, that will massively increase purpose at work. And remember, it's in the small stuff. Simple gestures like inquiring about a team member's day makes their day go better and yours too. Authenticity is also vital to finding purpose. And working in an environment lacking in authenticity or with inauthentic leaders can negatively affect our happiness. Now, I know that moaning can be a cathartic experience, but do it too often and for too long at work and you're going to be miserable. By applying the knowledge from this episode, you can increase not only your own happiness at work, but the happiness of those around you. My ambition in creating Get Happier goes beyond simply offering a free copy and ending it there. I intend to foster a community of individuals who can make society happier using rigorous and relevant evidence with minimal effort. Subscribe to my Substack where I'll share resources and insights so that all of us, individuals and citizens, employees and employers, parents and policymakers, can get happier.